0: we're back. <laughs> we really actually haven't been gone that long. It's literally only been a week, but it feels like whenever we don't do two episodes in a week, like the world collapses. But but thankfully, we have some Blue Jackets hockey to talk about today. We have some life to catch up on. So it's just going to be all sorts of fun things on this Tuesday as you're listening. And uh, Laura, I just got to ask the age-old question. I do it most shows. How's it going?
1: Uh, pretty Okay. Actually, um, my dad is getting married on Saturday. I love it. So it's a pretty exciting week. And because I am the best daughter in the world, I spent most of yesterday, which was Sunday, uh, with the help of our wonderful friend, Megan, Madame That Bitch, as we all know her, pressing about 300 of these cookies. If you're unfamiliar, these are pitzels. They're family tradition, and my dad really wanted them to be homemade for the wedding. So I, his lovely, baking-friendly daughter, made 18 and a half dozen cookies yesterday.
0: I can only imagine just how much your house smells like anise right now.
1: Oh yeah, it's never leaving. It's gonna smell like this until I move out. Oh my
0: god, I just I listen. I really do enjoy multiple variations of the pastels that you make, but it's the you lose me sometimes on the on the traditional.
1: Yeah, but that's what you just said. That's the traditional. So oh yeah, problem. I'm not the one. Yeah, you don't change for me. Um, but it, no, it was sort of like a, when I was asking around for people to, cause originally my, uh, one of my besties, Becky was supposed to come up from Cincinnati to help me, but she ended up having family stuff. So then I was like, crap, I got to find someone else. Cause there's no way I can do this all on my own. Cause it's just too many fucking cookies. Um, and hey, so you said
0: the first one, you said the first one, of this show two minutes and 17 seconds in. <laughs>
1: Do you feel happy now that I said it before you did? Um, But so I was like gauging questions and you were like, why don't you try Megan? I was like, oh God, I'm afraid she's not going to want to like deal with the smell. Because for those who are not familiar, anise is like a very acquired taste and smell. And it's similar to like a black licorice smell. Um, But I texted Megan and she was like, oh my God, I love pizzelles and I've never made them before. So I would totally help you. So she came yesterday and we spent like five hours just pressing cookies. Um, Yeah. And it was a great time. And now I have just a giant box that I have to transport um, up to Worcester this weekend. So
0: how does it work? Do you like press the dough and then like how long? I can't bake for long?
1: No, they take well depending on your iron. They take like roughly thirty to forty five seconds to cook. And then what's really important about putzels is that you have to dry them on paper towels because if you don't, they won't crisp up and they'll be they stay like
0: they wet.
1: They'll be like bendy. Huh. Kinda like a taco, taco. Yeah, because pitzel irons are the same way. Like when you make homemade ice cream cones, it's the same concept. Or like at Jenny's when they make their like homemade cones and like the little cookie chips, that's a similar situation. It's more like a waffle, but like a similar situation to pitzels. So yeah, you have to put them on like a moisture wicking surface so that they crisp up instead of just get like bendy
0: you ever thought about making ice cream cones out of pit
1: cells? i mean you can the iron that i borrowed from my dad is brand new and it has a little like um it looks like a rolling pin but you're supposed to you can wrap a, a warm pit cell around it so that when it hardens it is like cone shaped i
0: love that maybe we should so. do that sometime that sounds fun
1: I mean, if you want to learn to press foot cells, it's very fun. You get into a rhythm, but it does take up a lot of space. And as you know, I don't have a huge apartment with available space. So it was a lot of stacking and running to a a different place in the apartment to put them. And it was a time.
0: Yeah, you really don't. You really do not have the kitchen. For all the things that you make in your kitchen, I am amazed by the fact that you're able to, well make them in your kitchen
1: (laughs) yeah I mean I really utilize every surface possible so I cool pies like on my washer and dryer and you know convert boxes into tables it's it's a fun time
0: yeah when your kitchen island can also double as your washer and dryer that feels like a pretty functional kitchen (laughs) um sure well we can call it functional that's the word I'm I choosing to use because I don't want to hurt your feelings.
1: No, it's okay. I, I mean, I don't have a single burner that lays flat. And if I use my oven too much, the temperature goes all over the place. And I burn pies like I did this Thanksgiving. So
0: it happens to the best of us. I burn, I burn things often.
1: I know, but I've never burned a pie.
0: That's not true. You have now.
1: Right. But prior to this, <laughs> I had never burned a pie. This is kind of like similar to how I felt when we got COVID and I was sad that we had almost made it two full years and now we couldn't say that we didn't have COVID.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, in full transparency, told people that I had gone two years without testing positive for COVID. I'm sure at some point having worked in higher education, I had COVID, but but thankfully never really had any symptoms ever. So that's a win. And, Laura, I, speaking of things that make me have symptoms, I have been rallying from, like, this weird sore throat situation, so if my voice sounds terrible, listeners, bear with me. Um, There's a piece of my throat that's visible in my mouth right now that I don't really understand, so sorry if that was a jump scare to anybody. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with my throat, but everybody cares that I'm fine, so...
1: Yeah, that was a fun text message yesterday when I was just checking to see if you had gotten home from your conference okay, and you're like, yeah, I'm home. I'm just also currently at Urgent Care. And it all works out. No
0: antibiotics. We were good. So. And then I went to a hockey game afterward.
1: Wow, you really accomplished
0: a lot yesterday. It's pretty much just what I am, who I am, right? Like, I got off the plane, went to Urgent Care, everything was good, then I drove over to the Grand Valley Hockey game, and watch them lose a heartbreaker, so.
1: And then you got to watch or listen because you couldn't watch because it was blacked uh, out. I you got to listen time. to the Blue Jackets also lose a heartbreaker.
0: Yeah, I kind of forget every single time that the Blue Jackets, whenever they play Detroit or blacked out in Grand Rapids because that's technically the quote-unquote local market. So that's always a bummer.
1: Do you think you could have gotten it on Valley if I'd given you my password? Because wouldn't that have been?
0: Maybe it would have been in the Valley Sports Detroit area. Yeah, maybe. I honestly wasn't that committed because by the time I had gotten home, it already looked bleak. So I was like, meh, I'll just listen. That sounds like a good time. But yeah, I got home. I flew back from D.C. on Sunday. I was in D.C. for the better part of a week. I was there from Tuesday until yesterday on Sunday as we record on Monday. And so I'm just glad to be in my house. I recently have discovered how much I enjoy like just like wrapping up in like this like fleece blanket that I have, and so like that's currently what I'm doing, and that's pretty much all I do when I'm at home right now. So really enjoying that. Good to be home. Sadly, because of my travel schedule, I didn't get to do a lot of watching Blue Jackets hockey. I mean, I was able to listen to like you said the the, the game against Detroit on Sunday, but I missed the good one.
1: It's okay. My lack of travel slash lack of life allowed me to view. Both of these games. So,
0: well, I am really glad that at least one of us watched the games that we're about to talk about because for me to provide any real commentary on the matchup against Winnipeg, except for just my feelings, (laughs) I would be very disingenuous if I'm being honest. So,
1: it's okay. I got this one.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, then do the damn thing, girl. Talk to me about the Blue Jackets win in maybe the most miserable city in Canada.
1: Yeah, Winnipeg's not, like, a fun place. They kept showing pictures of it, and it just looked like... I mean, I know it's winter in Canada, so, I mean, bleak is what we're dealing with, but...
0: Yeah, but Winnipeg like- winters are, like, especially bad. Like, that's why when people are like, wow, Patrick Laine wants to stay in Columbus, and I'm like, okay, to be fair, though, right, like, I, for one... Weather-wise, have been to Tambre, not any better than Columbus, worse. <laughs> um, Edmonton, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say worse. So let's just pull it up just for shits and gigs before you get into it, just because I'm curious. Um, it was
1: zero degrees when they were there. Currently,
0: it is negative six degrees Fahrenheit, and the low tonight is negative 25. Ew. Um, and their winter cast, they're expecting an inch or two of snow on Friday. So,
1: wow. Yeah. Patrick did say I'm like so much. He's like, I haven't, I lost my getting used to how cold it is here. And he's like, now that I don't have any hair, I'm like really cold. So I have to wear a beanie the whole time. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an exciting game. Like it was one of those blue jackets games where you're like actually really, pumped and like you're also a little stunned because you're like wow this is beating all expectations that I had for this game um because going into playing Winnipeg like they're it's not like they're bad they're like the second best team in the west right now so you know it was a little unmatched going in to playing Winnipeg and the Blue Jackets came out like hot and really held on to it for two full periods almost like two and a half full periods because it was for nothing all the way until um pretty I don't I'm looking right now but like pretty decently into the third period so it was Patrick Laine's return to the ice from injury um he actually returned as we all expected it because Patrick is never out um, his full length of expected time for an injury. He actually returned about a week and a half early um, than expected. And he was ready to play. And he showed that pretty quickly uh, when he started the scoring off for the Blue Jackets. And he, you could definitely tell that he was excited to be back on the ice. He was excited, you know, to, to score right away on Winnipeg. And I don't think you could have seen a bigger smile on Johnny's face either. Uh, cause he like like a little match made in heaven. The two of them were just like, and with Boone, of course, too, but like the two of them just got back together and were like, let's do this. Please, God, j- you know, Patrick, don't get injured. Like,
0: <laughs> well, and honestly, it felt like a jump scare for me when I got the when I got the notification that Patrick had scored and it said like his third goal of the season, because that just seems like it's so fake. That seems like it's so impossible that Patrick Lyon only has three goals, but the out rea- like that was his ninth game of the season. <laughs> like, yeah. only, like I keep forgetting that he has just been out so much and that he hasn't been able to play. And so him only having three goals is not the same as say, if Boone Jenner had three goals. or or. I, well, and I, feel like, I feel like, I
1: feel like, His three goals have all been in – he got a goal in the first game because he also got injured in the first game. That's correct. And then he got a goal in Finland, which I think was his first game back from being injured the first time.
0: I think he played one before going to Finland, if I'm not wrong. I might be wrong, but nevertheless,
1: yes. And then he got a goal on Friday. (laughs) But he got two, didn't he? Oh, we got two. Yes, he did get two. He was so, cl- Oh my God. He was so close to getting a hat trick. We were all like on pins and needles, but we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, they started out quickly with Patrick getting a goal. And then um, welcome to the blue jackets, Eric Branson gets his very first goal of the season. It was kind of a complicated scenario because you couldn't at first tell whose goal it was because um, the assists were to Jack and Kent Johnson. Um, And for a minute, it looked like it was Kent's goal. It also could have been Jack's goal. But then, of course, they did their thing with all the cameras and all the angles. And it ended up being um, Erica Branson's first goal as the Blue Jacket. So that was very exciting. And, yeah, we dominated the first period, went into the second period. And Patrick Laine, again, gets his second goal pretty quickly into the second, um, which was super exciting. Like, the team was super riled up. They were ready to go, and the Jets were, like, struggling with the fact that they had not scored. And also, I mean, most importantly to mention, Corpy was standing, like, on his head. It's not like the Jets weren't, you know, testing him, but he was just rock solid. Like, so on his game, so sharp. It was really, really impressive, and then later on in the second period, Gus Nyquist gets another goal. Um, Gus was, I think, feeling a little bit more as Jeremy was would probably be happy about that he was on, had moved down to the second line, um, a little bit more of his, <laughs> more comfortable place for Gus and his right. skill level. Um, and I totally didn't even mention this about um, one of the, I know, I think it was the second goal. It actually, another reason why it was confusing as to who scored the goal is because actually the goal was deflected off of former Blue Jacket, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. And, and was he mad about it? <laughs> like, <laughs> he was so mad, and he, he was playing piss, too. Like, he tried so, so hard, and he did finally beat... Corpus in the third period to get the one and only Jets goal, um, making it a four to one win for the Blue Jackets. And my goodness, did we also try to get Patrick that hat trick because the Jets had pulled their goalie like at five minutes and had an empty net. And (laughs) so many people, so many people on the Blue Jackets tried to get an empty net goal and it kept hitting the post It kept going wide. It was almost like the Jets had put like a plexiglass like piece in front of the goal because it was just ridiculous that we didn't end up getting a fifth goal when the net had been empty for that long. But it didn't work out. But hey, we still won. It was great. The energy was great. Like I said, a lot of people, you know, played really hard and like really kept up with the Jets and like didn't let them overcome them because we all know the second period is oftentimes when another team will like really try and take over the Blue Jackets energy but they didn't they held strong it was great Lars was happy the team was happy which should have pointed to all good things coming home to play against Detroit. On Sunday,
0: well, and it simply didn't. But before we get into that game, I think that just looking at, you know, looking at the the analytics from that game, four point four one expected goals for the Jets. Corpy, like you said, just absolutely stood on his head and was able to secure the Blue Jackets' win there. And I also, I'm petty. I know it, and I am happy leaning into it. There's a part of me. That thinks it would have been absolutely comical and i still think it would be absolutely comical for all of the talk that elvis has done about scoring an empty net goal if you want to score or any other blue jackets goaltender for that matter was actually the first one to do it in blue jackets franchise history because up up by three with an empty net i mean that's like you take the shot like you if you get the chance you take the shot and unfortunately corby just never got that opportunity but man i would love to see a young a goal
1: I mean, I do think that that would be, you know, just wonderful. But that I'm not for petty reasons. I want all of our goalies to get a goal.
0: I, something tells me that that might not happen. But I understand where you're coming from because it is you, and I didn't say I was merciless. So <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense that that is, <laughs> is your reaction <laughs> to my statement. But, but yeah, I mean. That's exactly the thing, right? It's one of those games where you're able to kind of lean on your goaltender to win you a couple of games. I mean, that's the kind of thing that Stanley Cup contending teams have, right? They have goaltenders that even when the rest of the team isn't necessarily—and that's not to say that the rest of the team wasn't playing well. I mean, this is a game that, if you look at expected goals, was pretty neck and neck. I mean, the Jackets actually—you know—you uh, know—they have 4.56 goals expected. So I mean, really, they end up outchancing the Jets a little bit there too, but even still i mean the jets and the jackets matched up really well and there's their are two teams like you said the jets are are sitting toward the top of the west but with that being said i mean they almost seem like maybe they're a team that's kind of like overplayed their hand a little bit here at the start of the season if you ask me i don't think they're as good as the record shows but i also just really don't trust the jets if i'm being entirely honest with you that's just such a weird team to me so so yeah the jackets get that one against winnipeg which felt like a really great win and like you said you just thought that that was going to that was going to mean that there was momentum coming into the, into the game on Sunday against Detroit and man, oh man, I don't know what it is about teams from Ohio that when they play Michigan teams right now, they're just not able to figure it out. And uh, this was no exception for, for the jackets on Sunday against the Red Wings, Laura, it was just hard to, for me listen to at times and for you hard to watch, although there are obviously ups and downs during the whole game.
1: Yeah. I think we've said it time again, this season that, often in, especially when, and we haven't done it a lot, but it has happened, like, when we have to travel in close proximity to games, so, like, being in Winnipeg and then having to come back to play at home with, like, essentially a 24-hour difference, um, they just don't, they can't carry over the energy for some reason, and especially with Detroit, they just seem to... Like in the first time we played Detroit, we lost six to one. Um and yes, you did I I, we can keep this and you did correct me. It is forty-eight hours, I'm aware. I'm bad at math. I'm bad at math. It's fine. Um, but so yeah, it's a forty-eight hour difference, but it's like international travel, like kind of a longer flight and all this sort of stuff. So we'll tack that on as well but um it in detroit i said to you last night like i just don't like how we play against detroit like yes we've played poorly against other teams but this is now two times in a row in regular season that we just have not like we've completely lost ourselves in playing against Detroit. And it just doesn't make any sense because I think even if they were still to beat us and they had a lot of qual- of their quality players out due to injury last night too. And it just doesn't make sense that they don't play better against the Red Wings. And it was kind of a tough game to watch because the Red Wings were just kind of rolling all over us. And Dylan Larkin, especially now that Zach is out for the rest of the season, really enjoys scoring against us. So he had uh, quite a time because I think he got t- two goals, um, two of the four goals for the Red Wings last night. But yeah, it was kind of a, not great first period um started out slow and they ended up getting a two nothing lead over us pretty quickly in the first and thankfully we did um score in the second um Marcus Bjork got his second goal of the season uh which he's always his celebrations are always so cute um and he was very excited (laughs) that he got another goal um so you're kind of hoping like great okay you know it's it's 3-1 like there's still a little bit of hope like sometimes you still have like a whole period and a half because i'm pretty sure he got that goal uh in the like halfway through the second period and so
0: it's about 350, like, 350 left in the second period
1: oh okay so it wasn't as midway as i thought but the energy was good like they were really pushing after he got that goal and they ended up um, ending the second period on a, they, we were on the power play. So they were gonna come into the third with a little bit of power play time. And you know, we come into the third and it's like, yes, good energy. Let's do this, all this sort of stuff. And Kent Johnson ends up getting a goal. So now we're within one of tie in the game and we're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and then Detroit scores again. And it was kind of like when you blow up a balloon and you just let it go.
0: Well, and really they scored like twice. Although thankfully though, like yes, because the, the cause... first of the two was actually rolled off sides. And so like that was even sooner. And so it was like not even like that would have been less than a minute after the after the Kent Johnson goal. Because it was just so funny, like Nobody, and this is something that I know you and I talk about every now and again, like we like to switch up, like how we listen to the games or like how we take in the games, whether that's being there, watching on TV or listening. And and it is so funny. Bobby Gallagher sometimes just cannot hide the fact that he is just like annoyed like or dejected. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, and there's a Detroit goal. And it's just like, oh, damn. <laughs> so yeah, Bobby was not too thrilled with that. But yeah.
1: Well, at least he does that those. as opposed to uh rims and jody who just basically turn it into a red wings like love fest where they're just talking about they're talking about their prospects they're talking about dylan larkin they're talking about that team's rebuild like all this sort of stuff so i would rather have disappointment than thinking that i accidentally am watching the red wings broadcast
0: that is fair that is a fair critique
1: but, so, yeah, it was just a major bummer. And it's also just, like, a bummer to lose to Detroit at home again, like, because we just played them a couple of weeks ago. So, the wounds were still fresh. Um,
0: and they make sure to keep them fresh because they have just been – they've had our number. You're absolutely right about that. And the part about it that's so wild is the end of this game. So, so the Jackets and the Red Wings weren't too far off on expected goals at – 50 minutes of the game. So 10 minutes left in the game, 2.8 to 2.5 Red Wings in favor, right? Mm. The Jackets ended up in the last 10 minutes of the game, going from 2.5 expected goals to 4.16. The last 10 minutes of that game were nothing but the blue jackets just absolutely peppering Billy Huso with shots and like quality shots too. Right. I mean, like just, absolutely taking over in terms of expected offense in that game and ended up really just out, out chancing the Red Wings as as a whole but of course it's too late and billy Huso had himself a game right i mean it was his turn to stand on his head when Jonas Korpsakov had done the same for the Jackets a couple nights prior and and so yeah i mean give credit where credits due i mean that that Red Wings team looks good and you look at let <laughs> I mean let me get off my Jody and and Rimmer's soapbox here but but a lot of those young guys who god they're gonna be good for a while it's gonna be a problem like this is gonna be like if the jackets don't figure out how to beat this team (laughs) every year is gonna be a pain in the ass
1: yeah which is my concern but i have faith in us and like that i think we've talked off air and we'll maybe talk as the season continues about certain things that hopefully will change. And, like, certain people that we have in the pipeline coming up that will make us more dynamic. Um, At least that is what I believe is the plan. So maybe we will be a little bit better matched in future seasons against a young and also talented Detroit Red Wings. But, yeah, it was just sad Sunday night.
0: You know what isn't sad, Laura?
1: Um, That will currently... It's a little difficult, but in January, it'll be super easy to win money on DraftKings.
0: I thought you missed my setup so hard. I was not sure where in the hell you were going. With that. I thought you were going to talk about our game against Detroit in January. But nevertheless, hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get one hundred dollars, $150, excuse me, even more. In free bets, if they do, if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team you think will win, how many games will be, how many goals will be scored. Think there's only going to be one game. That one is a pretty safe bet, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPM. bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So... Laura, obviously, you want to forget that game against Detroit happened, and thankfully for the Blue Jackets, they're going to be able to do that pretty quickly. But before we start to talk about the things that are happening on the ice this week for the Blue Jackets, a little bit of uh, news and notes in terms of in terms of some contracts that they signed here over the course of the last week that we've been off the air, and that's the contracts for forwards James Malatesta of the OHL and Luca Del Belbeloos. Whose name I will never get tired of saying, who both <laughs> are entry level contracts this last week. And so for both of them, those are your standard three year deals. And so those will take place when they come to the league next season. So, Laura, obviously, these are two players that, you know, James Malatesta drafted not this last year, but the year before. He has taken place now in two Traverse City camps. He looked really good this last year in Traverse City, and he continues to look really good in the OHL. He's put up 15 goals and 15 assists in his games down there so far, over a point per game pace for him. And then Luca Del Balbaluz is, you know, in a similar place. And actually, I might have switched that up. I think Luca Del Balbaluz is the player that has 15 and 15, and James has even a little bit more than that. And so. Um, like I said, Malatesta in the OHL, Luca Del Belbaloo's in the Q. No, goodness, I am messing this all the way up. James Malatesta in the Q and Luca Del Babaloo in the OHL. Uh, and he plays for the Mississauga Steelheads, if I'm not mistaken. So so yeah, I mean, this is exciting stuff. I mean, Luca Del Babalooze is somebody who looked really good in in Traverse City and not just when he was playing the newlywed game with us and only be back home, but he just seemed to be somebody who the Jackets were going to really hope to see develop into a center that could potentially provide a lot of middle six depth for years to come. And, and this is a sign once again for the Jackets that they think that he has that potential or else he wouldn't have gotten this deal in only his first year after being drafted.
1: Yeah, and I think that this speaks similarly to um, when we signed Jordan Dumay just a few di- days prior to these two signings. And it's, it's rewarding them for being, you know, they're not very far into their seasons. And it's rewarding them for really still putting their best foot forward and showing out and showing up. Um, And I think that this is a really proper reward, like getting that three-year entry-level contract. And I have to give a little, like, I have to poke you a little bit because everyone should know that when Jeremy decides that he's not answering text messages, he is not answering text messages. And he was in DC for a conference. And I also just learned because he just told me about it today that he was sick on Thursday when this was happening. He was. And so I look like a psychotic person if you look at our text message chain. Because all of Thursday, this man did not respond to me. And all of these things were happening. I'm trying to figure out how to repost our cute little dating game video with Luca and just radio silence. But you know when he did respond to me? was at 1.32 in the morning on Friday, technically, via Instagram DM that he doesn't even like to use to tell me that he did like the Seattle Kraken warm-up jerseys, that were orange, that was my only sign of life.
0: I did like them. She's not taking that to heart or taking it personally at all, folks, is she? Because this is also the first time I'm hearing her say that. So, so yeah, she's not holding a grudge. But yeah, <laughs> I was in fact working, and so I didn't see those tech. But, but yeah, I, I have to say, like. The one thing that I find that's so interesting about this, and it just hit me actually like as we were talking about it and as I was looking at our like flow, sh- like show flow notes for this game, mm-hmm. or for this episode, I should say, is Luca Del Belbaloo's centered James Malatesta and Jordan Dumay in Traverse City. That was a line. Yeah. How fun is that?
1: It's so fun, and that was like one of the more solid lines in Travis. I would
0: argue argue at times it even looked a little bit better than the Michael Puthia and Krol Marchenko and Ken Johnson line. (laughs) It actually might have been the I don't know if it was the highest scoring line because eventually like Kroll and and you know Kent got their goals, but yeah, that they they were probably the second best line up there, and so. Not saying that. I think I might have made the claim back in August and then September, I mean, that those three were going to play together on a line in Columbus one day. And I guess I shouldn't go so far as to say that that is still going to happen, but the likelihood has gone up and up in the last couple of weeks.
1: You manifested this. You spoke it into existence. If it does happen, they have you to thank for their you know, existence on this team. I'm sure of it.
0: And I do take all sorts of different forms of thank yous, most of which are preceded by a dollar sign. So uh, keep that in mind. I'm pandering to 18 and 19-year-olds respectively to give me a 25-year-old money anyway.
1: (laughs) They're going to be making more money than we will probably ever see. So they could share the love a little bit.
0: That is true. That is true. And uh, speaking of guys who are probably going to make way more money than you and I ever will, how about Kirill Marchenko finally getting his call up to the NHL after being just an absolutely dominant force to be reckoned with in the AHL? I mean... You know the monsters. There's one thing about them. They might let in a lot of goals, but thankfully for them, they've they've scored a little bit more. And so Karamanchenko, obviously, a big reason for Cleveland's you know early season success and and their ability to get a few wins here and there. So obviously, a little bit of a blow to that team down there to be losing him. I will say, at the time that we record this, hmm. I thought he was higher than that. Let's see here. Where is good old Karel Marchenko? 31st in AHL scoring with eight goals, 11 assists, and 19 points in the 16 games that he has played in Cleveland. And so, obviously, he's getting his he's getting his chance. He's going to get caught up. He actually is caught up in a replacement of – Trey Fizelansky, who had been a healthy scratch the last two games, and if you want to know more about uh, how the waivers work for that situation, don't fucking ask us because I have no <laughs> idea how that works. I thought Trey Fizelansky absolutely had to clear waivers. I was wrong. I'm okay with being wrong in that context, but, but yeah, so. He'll get a chance to play. I mean, he's gonna—he's probably going to slot in against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It'll be interesting to see who comes out. If I had to make a guess, I'm going to say Liam fruity because uh, Brad Larson has an uncanny ability of putting these superstar potential – well, okay, Kromacheco is not a potential superstar. These potential NHLers on the fourth line and <laughs> – Letting them just be there. And so, just
1: letting them sit on the bench and watch the game, except for every once in a while they get out on the ice. So
0: correct. Somebody needs to remind Brad that he's got more than just eight skaters. But I digress. So so he'll get a chance to sit up against the penguins because the Jackets have got the penguins and they've got the Buffalo Sabers—they've got uh, to travel to Pittsburgh, but then they'll be back home against the Sabers on Wednesday. So a couple of games, of back-to-back here, and Krill make his debut in Pittsburgh. It seems.
1: And we do have one friend who I know that this absolutely made his day. Our friend Bucket Hat Kyle 100%. is living for Krill Marchenko, and I know that there was no one probably even keeled with Krill. Carole- Being excited to get to make his NHL debut, um, Kyle was equally as excited. So hopefully, more
0: excited to be honest. Let's be real.
1: (laughs) That's true. Krill is a pretty like even keel guy, uh, from what we observed in Traverse City. So uh, Kyle may have been more excited, and I know all of Blue Jacket's social media was incredibly pumped and it is Marchenko time. So hopefully, you know, he can really th- thrive. Hopefully he gets playing time because as Jeremy said, that has been an issue as of late for these humans that we're bringing up for Cleveland to slot into spots. But um hopefully Lars has, you know, seen the things that Krill has been able to accomplish in Cleveland, because like you said, he has eight goals. Well, hey, our leading scorer or leading goal scorer, Mr. Boone Jenner, has nine. So, hey, not far off. And so I think he also – does Johnny have eight now or does he only have seven?
0: I think he has eight.
1: So there we go. He's (laughs) right there up there with Johnny Goudreau. So, you know – give him a chance let him play some minutes and let him get some experience on nhl ice and hopefully you know he gets some good some good time
0: yeah and uh for what it's worth all of that be damned though because trey fix has 10 goals so far in the nhl this season but yeah ride pine boy anyway <laughs> <laughs> fuck it right um I will get over that one day, but I just really don't understand why they didn't send him down sooner. If I digress. Okay. So n- n- moving on, uh, or actually I guess really staying on the topic of Kromachenko. I mean, obviously this is a player who, who plays a really strong 200 foot game. and I think for the jackets, especially in this season where you you're missing so many of your blue liners, like having responsible forward play is key. And I think Kareem Marchenko gives you that. Obviously, it takes some time to adjust to the NHL and the North American ice. But but I don't think it's as big of an adjustment for Karel. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say he actually played. So in the KHL, they're not all regulation size ranks. They could all be different sizes. And there are a couple that are North American-sized ranks. And I want to say that he played a decent amount on North American-sized ranks in the KHL or in, in any of their developmental leagues. And so it wasn't as big of an adjustment for him. He's such a big guy. I mean, he's so strong. He's going to be hard to get off of pucks. He's going to be – he's going to hopefully – I mean, obviously it's going to be a task to do it against NHLers versus AHLers. Make no difference. There is obviously a distinction between the two or else the two different leagues wouldn't be distinct. And so we'll see how this plays out for Carell. Like I said, all I can hope is that he gets really meaningful playing minutes because it seems like that just hasn't happened this season. I mean, the thing that I kept saying about Brad Larson is that I really, really hoped that he would be the coach that would let these players play through some of their toughest times, and it just seems like he has not been that coach so far this season. I mean, I think he was last year, but I think when the expectations changed, his approach changed, and now the expectations are back, I don't think his philosophy has come back. And I just hope that this is the start of some of that with Karel Marchenko because he needs to be on the ice. He needs to be – if he's not going to play in Columbus play in Cleveland, I mean, if, the, if we're anything on the show and if you know anything about us and you know just how much of a proponent we are, of guys getting their playing time down in the AHL. And so here's hoping that he gets his time in the NHL. Obviously that would be developmental, but here's also hoping he doesn't get planted on the fourth line. No disrespect to the Sean Corrales and the, and the you know, Eric Robinsons of the world, but it's just like, that's not where he needs to be. He's not supposed to be there. That's not where his game is going to be good. And so we'll see how that turns out, but also going to be interesting to see if, if Brad Larsen plays, again I mean he switched things up you know the other night against Detroit where you know things weren't going great so instead of Patrick line on the first line he put Ken Johnson there and and then you know they find a way to score but then you get the next line out there with I, oh God who was it It was Gus Jack Rossvic and Patrick Liney wasn't that the the line that went out there and that's the uh, line yeah. that gets, that's the line that gets scored on on the offsides play. So, thankfully, it doesn't count. But, like, I just need Brad Larson to, like, stick with it for a game. Like, just, like, stick with it. Like, don't quit. Like, <laughs> quit it.
1: Like, we don't need to talk about it this episode. We can talk about it later. But I just – I am getting very frustrated with Jack Roswick. And I texted you last night where I was just like, I don't – like this combination like i do not like gus jack and patrick like it just didn't make (laughs) didn't make any sense and this is no like diss on gus either like gus was able to hold his own on the first line as best as he could so he i think is fine to patch to match with patrick if need be but i am just getting frustrated with jack Roslovic and I think I am not alone in that feeling with other Blue Jackets fans, and, but I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if it's like last season again, where it took him until the last 30 games of the season to finally get a handle on things, I might be a little perturbed.
0: Well, I think, I think that that statement is kind of made in a vacuum, right? Cause I don't know if it was, that it took him until the end of the season for him to catch fire as much as it was an opportunity for him to catch fire. If that makes sense that like the idea of playing up on the first line with, with some, some really elite talent, I think contributed to his production, right? Like, I don't think there's any way to, to dismiss that, that him playing first line minutes in the absence of Boone Jenner obviously helped him and I'm not saying that you go and you put Jack Rossovic on the first line in between Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Line. But I guess I'm also not, not saying that because he's the reality, folks. It's like Jack Rossovic is currently a Columbus Blue Jacket. Like you got to find a way to make him fit in somehow, some way. And you got to do it in the way that benefits your team the most. And I don't disagree with you, Laura. I don't know what that way is right now. <laughs> it just seems like it's not working anywhere, anyhow, anyway. But I mean, you know, like how much time have we seen him play between between Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Line? not much. And so I'm like, when we're playing, when we get into these scenarios of blue jackets boggle, it's always one of those line combinations that I wonder, like, could you just see what happens? Like, could you just see if there's any of that spark there in Jack to do that? And I know that he hasn't earned it, but I just like, he's still your player. You got to either a, make it work and get value for the contracts or B, you got to make him look good to be able to trade the contract.
1: Yeah, that I I don't disagree with. I don't disagree with giving him the opportunity. That part though frustrates me too that he can only play well if you're letting him play with your top line players.
0: You got to you got to be careful with that argument though because there are plenty of players in the NHL one of them might be Cam Atkinson that really only thrive in certain environments, right? Like that's just kind of like I, I get what you're saying, right? But like you like some players, you've gotta find the space for them. And I I agree with you. He but doesn't again, deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. But again,
1: it. he's not I don't think he's talented enough to be a top line center. And I don't I think, think people that And Boone Jenner would not be a top-line center on... I'm not saying Boone is a top-line center either, but Boone is better than Jack in this circumstance. I don't disagree. But here's the thing. If Jack remains on our team and we do get to use some of our circumstances to get a top-line center, like, what's he going to do then? We're not going to pass up someone we're paying a lot of money to be a top-line center just because that's where Jack's more comfortable.
0: Oh no, I agree with you full heartedly. I uh, here's the thing, folks. Jack Roslovic won't be a bluejack at the end of this two year contract. Like that's just not happening. It's just not going <laughs> to be the reality, and that is what it is. So really, everything that I'm saying is so short term that like it's not a matter of this is the future for Jack Roslovic. This is like where he's going to find his space until he's out of the NHL. It's definitely more so just a how do we <laughs> make it so that he isn't as much of a liability on the ice, and maybe could even even be a little bit productive. I mean, the reality is, so I mean, Boone Jenner has played lights out on that first line and that pairing, I mean, those three work together and I don't think you need to split it up. But at the same time, let me say that again. I don't think you have to split it up. Brad Larson, I don't think you have to split it up. If things aren't working, it's maybe not your first line. It's yeah, maybe I not your first again, line. When your second line is Gus Nyquist, Jack Roslovic, and Kent Johnson, maybe your first line's not your problem.
1: Right. And, and, again, I think it points back to what you were saying earlier about him sticking to something, like, for a full game or even giving – if something's not working suddenly, maybe give it a game to sort itself out because if you compare Friday to Sunday, the – johnny boone patrick line was fire like it was absolutely like they were gelling all this sort of stuff so they come back home and like there's a few issues like things aren't going as smoothly as they were on friday that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to switch it up like he should be giving i'm talking like anyone would ever take my coaching advice but he's doing these things like it's. Over now. Like, oh my God, it's never going to work again. I need to split them up now. You know, instead of giving them the opportunity to take and watch tape from the Detroit game and then see, I mean, I know he'll put them back together tomorrow against the Penguins. He would be stupid not to. Like, and I mean that truly. Like, he would be stupid to not put Johnny, Patrick, and Boone up against the, I don't even know, but I'm assuming it's Sidney Crosby. And like every other super talented player that the Penguins have. Like, it's just like he would be stupid not to. So it's just, it's frustrating me. And I know it's frustrating you that he's just not being consistent in the decisions that he's making. And he's not being consistent in giving opportunities to these young players who deserve the opportunity if we're going to take them away from Cleveland or if we were going to keep them out of their junior leagues like where they can get a lot of playing time
0: correct so that is
1: my you went on a gus nyquist rant that is my jack rosselvic rant
0: fair although give credit where credit's due based on the game score from from
1: don't try and negate my feelings with I'm stats. not negating my feelings. I was
0: just going <laughs> to an effective game against Winnipeg, and I love to see it. So here's hoping <laughs> we, the Blue Jackets are a better team if Jack Rossovic is good. Let's be pro-Jack Rossovic and hope that things work out. But like we've talked about plenty of times so far on this episode, the Jackets do take on the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, and the Moms will join them, which will be a good time. And so uh, we'll see all sorts of frivolity, I'm sure from that group they've already posted a few little fun things on social media and so a bunch of mama's boys as blue jackets and i mean sam's i I don't know who i'm judging but uh, yeah yeah, i was like excuse me (laughs) but um but yeah i you know it'll be fun to see hopefully they can sneak out a win in pittsburgh i mean pittsburgh has kind of been kind of meh this season too so the hope is that the hope is that the jackets can capitalize on that although we're playing in pittsburgh Elvis Merzlikens yeah. is going to be back. Per like, that's the thought is that Brad Larson yeah. will be starting Elvis Merzlikens, and so obviously you hope that that goes well, and you hope it's not reminiscent of the um of the first Pittsburgh. time that he was in Pittsburgh.
1: Yes, I, I am, and I'm sure it's just because of scheduling. But it was interesting to me that they chose to take the moms to Pittsburgh, which is like one of the places that like definitely the fans are not respectful towards blue jacket fans and like if they have to interact with any sort of penguins fans like they're gonna hear mean things about their children which i'm you know i'm sure they're used to being like nhl moms but pittsburgh was a choice in my opinion as far as like sending the moms there to see what it's like when we play so you know it'll be fine
0: (laughs) Something tells me that they're going to be in their own special little bubble, and they're not going to have to worry about too many Penguins fans. And at least that's my hope. But, but yeah, so hopefully their results are better than any time I've ever gone and watched a game in Pittsburgh. Because I am o four. Well, I guess I'm o one and one, but still winless in Pittsburgh, which is mighty unfortunate. So here's hoping that they can pull that one off. But. But yeah, and then Buffalo on Wednesday, Buffalo's played pretty okay. I mean, Buffalo's got some really good goal scorers, and, and folks like Tage Thompson, J.J. Paterka have been good this season, and Alex Tuck. I mean, that's not, that's not the Buffalo Sabres of the years past. Like, surely they won't make the playoffs this year based on just everything else that's happening in the Atlantic. But it's a lot better team than the one that the Blue Jackets have been used to facing here in the last couple of years, so – Here's hoping that – the assumption would be obviously that Corpy gets a start in that one, but here's hoping that when Kirill Marchenko makes his home debut for the Blue Jackets, they are able to secure a win against the Sabres.
1: Yeah, and Megan and I are going to be at the Buffalo game. Enjoy that. Side. I
0: forgot about that. That'll be a lot of fun. You'll have to you'll have to let me know how Kirill looks in person after after we saw him last in Travers.
1: I don't know how much we'll see of him. I mean, our seats aren't terrible. They're lower bowl, but they're only on the attack one side. So – um I don't know how much we'll see, but...
0: Well, if they play like they've played some games this season, he'll probably be down in that zone a lot.
1: I mean, maybe, but my hope is going to be that he will. During the first and
0: third periods.
1: Correct, yes, but I'm excited. I haven't been to a game since we went before Thanksgiving, so...
0: So two weeks ago? Hey. (laughs) But... Yeah, so Do we have da- to
1: remind them that my life is shit and so time works differently for me? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. Time is definitely a different continuum than than it is for some. And so I, I obviously, like, we'll end the show on – we'll end the show on happy news, but we'll start ending the show on the fact that Jakub Voracek – a little bit of an update like not anything that i think anybody is overly surprised f- with because of the indefinite nature of and the quiet nature of the injury that he was facing and just also recalling the like the play in finland that that took him out and there was a high stick and he suffered a concussion from it and has just been dealing with post-concussion syndrome and the different things that are associated with that and as somebody who has suffered many a concussion through playing football i can tell you like I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to to continue to feel the symptoms of a concussion for a long period of time. But unfortunately, it looks like that's where Jakub Voracek is at right now. And it's really hard not to imagine that he could have potentially played his last game as a Blue Jacket. So naturally, when word went around that he would be speaking with the media on Monday, uh, obviously, I think for good reason, there's a lot of fear that maybe perhaps he was going to be announcing that, that he was hanging up the skates. And thankfully... That's not the call. I mean, obviously, it's still bleak news. It's still, you know, I have no idea on the timetable. It's going to be a while. I'll try and make it this season. It might not be, folks. And so it's one of those things where it's obviously not great to hear that. But at the same time, you remain optimistic that Jakub Voracek hasn't played his last game in the NHL. But, I mean, if he has, I mean, what a career. And the Jackets are lucky to have had him not once or twice. But, you know, obviously somber. Somber situation there with Jakub Voracek. And on a play that just you wouldn't think – would potentially end a guy's career. Right. I mean, a high stick, that's, that's really unfortunate.
1: Yeah. And you know, like you said, we were all a little bit nervous, um, mainly because we just kind of found out that it was a concussion for so long. And they just listed it as an upper body injury, which, you know, the NHL is very vague. Usually when it comes to injuries, you know, upper body, lower body, all that sort of jazz. But, you know, when they announced that it was a concussion and, you know, Jake is someone who's kind of known for his concussion history. I think this is his ninth major concussion um, in his NHL career, uh, which is it's a lot. It is definitely a lot. And everyone recovers and experiences concussions differently. So in my opinion, like I was definitely nervous that he was going to announce his retirement today. But in my opinion, and I think you will probably agree with this, that if him taking this entire rest of the season and the off season off um to get better means that we get to potentially see him skate again in a blue jacket sweater cuz he'll still have one more year on his contract that's worth it to not see him again this season and ultimately he needs to do whatever he needs to do in order to make sure that his life post hockey is as best as it can be because with athletes like this and these concussion symptoms, like it can really affect how you continue to live your life outside of the game. And he is a father, um, you know, he has a partner, all these sorts of things. And you want him to be able to be there in a really present and healthy way, regardless of if he returns to the ice. And like this wouldn't be the first time that we've seen you know, a concussion um situation, take a player out of the game. I mean, that's ultimately what forced Rick Nash's hand into ending his hockey career. So all the best to Jake and please just do everything that you need to do to get better and you know work with obviously they have such a gifted staff of doctors and professionals here with the blue jackets that we know he's getting the care that he needs. But Absolutely no rush, and if we get to see you on the ice again, it's going to be a joy. But if not, like Jeremy said, we are in so lucky to have had him not once but twice as a Columbus Blue Jacket. So,
0: without a doubt, and and Laura, to bring us back away from from that somberness to end the show, uh, you know, fun little news for World Junior Camp, and so. The the Blue Jackets have a myriad of prospects that are eligible for world junior teams and and obviously I think we've talked about him a little bit on this show. The player that made a lot of sense and would have been really confusing if he were left off would have been none other than Jordan Dumay, who received an invite to hockey canada's junior camp and so we'll see if he's able to make the team honestly there are still i mean a lot of pundits don't even know if he will make the team i mean it's just like obviously like he's one hell of a scorer but is he gonna translate and i think that that doubt still permeates but i hope that he's gonna go there have a really great camp and eventually make that world junior team be really great to see him on that international stage and, and against some more more strong competition but a player that like we don't really ever talk about anymore because the implications of it really aren't felt in Columbus and and probably won't be felt in Columbus for a couple of seasons. Um, And that is that uh, defenseman Aiden Khrushchev was named to the world junior, uh, you know, tryout camp for team USA. And so fun times there as well. I mean, obviously he comes over in the max Domi trade. So, (laughs) <laughs> if you forgot about him, here's your reminder that he is a Blue Dragon fan.
1: Yeah, the Max Domi through Carolina through the Florida Panthers. Oh, yeah, I forgot the Panthers. Because in he yeah. wasn't, he came from the Florida Panthers. So he didn't even come yeah. from the Hurricanes. What a good point. Yeah, you're so right. I kind of forgot about the kid,
0: to be honest with you, until I saw that news come across. But there are obviously a couple of players that I think Blue Dragons fans are a little bit surprised to not see make the the camp i mean uh i want to say that you know obviously course and is somebody who doesn't and then you look at a player like denton matechuk he's another player that doesn't get the invite and so i think there are a couple of shocks there for fans maybe more so in matechuk than in than in course and but but yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. We'll follow it, we'll monitor it, and we'll see if either one of those guys make their way on to the final roster for their respective squads. But it'd be cool if they did, Laura, and it'd be cool if we got to see them match up against each other at least once.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And any, you know, any sort of notable progress or any of our prospects being noticed on these various levels in the hockey world is always a good thing. And it always just increases the strength of – our pipeline and the future to come for the blue Jackets, So we're all for it.
0: That is true. And, and Laura, you know what else we're all for?
1: Me telling all of them where to do and find the things.
0: I was going to say engaging with us on social media <laughs> and elsewhere. So you got to lot of know.
1: Okay. I guess I can. Uh, if you would like, and if you aren't already, which I'm I'm not sure how you would be, but you can engage with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. We are on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, if you want to learn more about us or find all the links to all the things that I'm talking to you about right now, you can check out our lovely website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. And if you also would like to support your two favorite hockey podcasters, especially this holiday season, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com, and support us, but also get some sweet merch in return, uh, designs courtesy of our graphic designer, Stephen Knicky. All of our designs are now available on this new store. So check those out. And we are hoping to have a few new things in the new year, because we've got a, f- a couple of fun ideas, and then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And again, we don't know how the algorithm works. We just know like ratings and reviews and stars and likes and all that sort of jazz helps us to get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring more people to our lovely little community. But other than that, we just love and appreciate you guys so much.
0: What if this is the time where I told everybody that I actually did know why the algorithm matters.
1: That would be news to me and (laughs) all of them.
0: Yeah. I don't know shit. I don't know shit about shit. So uh, (laughs) this is not the time that I'm going to do that. But you heard Laura, do all the things, follow us everywhere and we'll talk to you all soon. We got another episode coming to you on Friday, but until then, we hope you are well, take care of yourselves and take care of one another's and we'll talk soon. Bye.